Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. We're going to talk today with Mike Warren about the Beatles. But first, I should mention the Daily Standard is sponsored by the Dollar Shave Club, the smarter choice. You can enjoy your first month with the Dollar Shave Club for just $5 with free shipping included. Just go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weekly standard. Don't forget the slash weekly standard part. Mike Warren. So have you ever heard that cut before? Uh, once or twice, yeah. It's uh, this hip new band, I hear, from what, Liverpool? Or? This happened in band. Sergeant, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper or something? Yeah, it was uh, 50 years ago uh, 50 today. 50 years ago to get it today. And um, this was, by all accounts, the, the most extraordinary rock album to have appeared at any time. Yeah, that's what everybody seems to think. Uh, there's a new book out, uh, which I include in a piece I've got going up at theweeklystandard.com uh, called Sergeant Pepper at 50, because, uh, of course, it came out 50 years ago. Uh, Sergeant Pepper at 50, and the subtitle refers to it as uh, The Beatles' Masterpiece. And I think that is sort of the universal uh, view of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, that this album that comes out in 1967, 10 months after... The previous uh, Beatles album, which is the longest stretch uh, up to that point between and albums. And yet, by the way, in modern terms, that's that's a, a, a bare, you know, blink of the eye. Like, totally. In terms of when you think of everything that went into it and production without computer aids. That's right. That's right. And it's 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 interesting too because the the demand for Beatles records, uh, something new from the Beatles was so great that. Uh, uh, the the uh, single that comes out, I think, in January 1967, Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane, uh, was basically released and sort of rushed into production quickly, um, so that uh, so that the fans would have something because they're wondering where are the Beatles. They're not doing live shows anymore. Um, they are supposedly going to start working on this album. Uh, and in fact, those two songs were left off the album. Uh, which I think they were always sort of intended, really sort of cosmically supposed to be on. They ended Sergeant up Pepper. getting tossed into that that cosmic jumble, the magical mystery tour. That's right, right actually. Yeah, the uh, the which was an EP in the UK actually, but uh, the, uh, the 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 view at the time, which George Martin, the producer, always regretted, was that uh, uh, is that you didn't want to. Uh, essentially make people buy the same songs twice. So if they had already bought them on 45s, they didn't need to be on the on the LP. But of course, artistically, that was not uh, really what should have happened. But anyway, so yeah, so it it uh, it, it took, the album took uh, the Summer of Love by Storm. I guess it kind of kicked off the Summer of Love uh, in 1967 and uh, was just dominant and was this... this 23 weeks at yeah. number one in Britain. 
it's yeah. pretty amazing. Um, and, and at a time, again, to emphasize, this was a time when the Beatles were thought to have been done. They had gone off the road. They were no longer doing tours. There were a lot UK of or anywhere every else. interview started with, you know, are are you guys breaking up? Exactly. Exactly. Um, and and so for them to sort of unleash this album that uh, had music that was unlike anything that most people had heard um, was really extraordinary. But I would say and I would argue and I do argue that. Um, Are you being argumentative? I'm being argumentative. I'm being contrarian here. Uh, this is, as our colleague Andy Ferguson likes to say, is the maybe the sophisticated take. Uh, I'm not particularly sophisticated, but this is the sophisticated argument that uh, Sgt. Pepper's not all it's cracked up to be. It's actually got some flaws. And uh, and I would say that the uh, the album that is better than Sgt. Pepper, and that does what Sgt. Pepper does, I think, better, is the one that precedes it, that 10 months before uh, in that came out, I guess, what August of 1966, which was Revolver. But we'll get to Revolver. yeah, we'll get to Revolver in a bit. But one of the things you point out, and has been pointed out before, uh, about um, Sergeant Pepper's, is it's a concept album that the the concept seems to stop after the first song. <laughs> right. So uh, right, this idea that Paul McCartney came up with, and at this point, Paul McCartney's basically leading the group. Uh, John Lennon's kind of checked out a little bit. George Harrison's doing his own things. Ringo's just trying to find a, a band to play with or, you know, wants, wants to be in a band to play with. Ringo uh, just wants to play some rock and roll Exactly, drums. exactly. Paul's kind of taking the lead and he's thinking, um, I think actually kind of brilliantly, um, we are now not a touring band. People are wondering what kind of band we are. What better time... Uh, what what better device uh, uh, to sort of explore the studio with than behind these alter egos? So he comes up with this idea of Sgt. Pepper and this brass band, which is sort of a thing in the uh, used to be a thing in in the UK. These brass bands that still would go is. around. I still guess it is. still is. Yeah. Um, and so they would sort of be members of that, and 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 they would be playing music that was different than what people would expect from the Beatles. But they could always say, "Look, we're we're playing characters here," and and that was the idea. Except as 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 you mentioned, there's the first song, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and then. They sort of do an introduction, a sort of uh, uh, tacking on at the end uh, for another singer, Billy Shears, who's Ringo Starr, to sing the second song with a little help from my friends. And then that's kind of it. None of the other songs have anything to do with this brass band or this these alter egos. It's just kind of a mishmash. Right. And the songs make no sense together, many of them. And it's not that they don't hang together as Beatles songs. It's they don't hang together as Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band songs. I mean, right. the opening cut, that's a great bit of groovy rock and roll. Right. And then, you know, I'm, I particularly think that this stretch of Within You, Without You, which is the first tune on on the, the side flip second side, side right second side which is this sort of interminable um indian raga kind of thing it just goes on and on which right. is george george's contribution followed by one of paul's worst paul things <laughs> which is when i'm 64 the little music hall ditty a little music hall you just put those two things together it's a concept album in which you have things that make no sense jammed up one right after the other and you know you think of think of a concept album concept albums had been done before right and will be done and will be done better in the ensuing years too right and but you know in in the world of jazz you had had things like 
Miles Davis sketches of Spain, where mm-hmm. you had a kind of unified concept of what the sound was with Gil Evans' arrangements and the approach taking music that was famous music from Spanish composers and translating it into a jazz idiom. It all holds together as a album rather than being, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea. It's a variety show approach. Right, right. And and, and I think that is uh, sort of reflects where the Beatles were at that point, which is um, they, they did lose a, a, a something when they stopped being a live band. Now, anybody who who seen particularly the late era live band Beatles uh, shows knows they were terrible they were out of tune they were they they were playing sort of the same old songs they've been playing since you know Hamburg and uh it was it was really kind of a mess but 30 minutes right they're very short too imagine going to like one of these big stadiums and just going to see the Beatles and then they played for half an hour and then that was it and you went home um screaming fans you know nobody they couldn't even hear themselves they didn't have good monitors and that sort of thing back then and um but they sort of lost something sort of the idea of a of of a band and sort of a collaboration between the four um, that I think was that they lost a little bit of that uh, in Sergeant Pepper. If we can break away for just a moment, this is the shameless commerce part of the podcast where we talk about the Dollar Shave Club. Get a great shave at a great price with razors delivered right to your door. The Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. They don't mess around with fourteen blade razors and magic lubrication strips or other silly shave technology. There's a special deal for Daily Standard listeners who join the Dollar Shave Club. You get $15 worth of blades and shave butter for just $5 with free shipping. It's easy to order online. All you have to do to get this exclusive offer is go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weeklystandard. Now, we're talking the Shave Club, but this was the album where the guys showed up with mustaches. Right. <laughs> They weren't shaving off the mustache. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a. That was another part of this uh, album, right? It was sort of an image makeover uh, for the Beatles. They were no longer the sort of ties and suits and mop top. Uh, they were they were kind of psychedelic. Um, I'm probably not breaking any new ground by saying they were under the influence of a lot of uh, controlled substances, uh, and uh, it was just a different. But it was also a different time. Uh, in the in the country, it was kind of a, uh, this transition time, and there was the, the whole idea of a counterculture of uh, these sort of art, artistic people who were, um, I, I should say, in, in the country, really all over the world, particularly in in London and and then later in the United States. Um, there the, were all these sort of art artists and drug pushers and weird kind of groups of people who were all influencing each other, and and so Sergeant Pepper kind of comes out of that period but i find that it kind of sounds like it's from that period and and one of the great things about the beatles is they're so timeless and this is one of the one of the records i think that they put out that that kind of strains that that characteristic of their music now if if sergeant pepper isn't the great masterpiece as you've suggested the high watermark may well be revolver yes this is uh i i i find revolver to be everything that People say Sergeant Pepper isn't. Uh, everything people say about Sergeant Pepper—that's what Revolver is to me. It's it is a mishmash of different genres, um, and interesting uh, different sounds. I mean, you do again—you have an Indian 
sound, uh, song from George in Love You Too. You have a, a heavy strings accompaniment of Paul singing uh, with Eleanor Rigby. Um, you have... Uh, except, so, except compare the strings on Eleanor yes. Rigby, which are really vigorous strings, with the main string song on Sgt. Pepper's She's Leaving Home, which um, was not the – those were not done by uh, George Martin. Right. That, George Martin did Eleanor Rigby, the, the arrangement. Right. But um, he didn't do the She's Leaving Home, which is really sappy. Oh, it's I think I think it's terrible actually. It, it's sort of and and George Martin, he was apparently sick the day that uh, that Paul really wanted to get the strings arranged. So he calls up Paul calls up his friend Mike Leander, who's uh, another sort of younger, less experienced uh, arranger who go on to have a, a great career. Um, and he includes this harp at the beginning of "She's Leaving Home," and the the strings are are very kind of sappy and um, uh, and I think George Martin. Uh, later said, uh, sort of a backhanded compliment. It was a little too bit too too much lush lushness uh, <laughs> to the strings, um, but yeah, I mean it was it, it was if Sergeant Pepper is all about is a, if the struggle with Sergeant Pepper the problem I have with the album is is a little too much excess and a little too much indulgence. Um, Revolver doesn't do any of that. They're they're still trying to figure out what's going on in the studio. The idea of looping tapes to get uh, sort of multiple sounds. Running uh, things backwards. Running things backwards, splicing things together. All those cool analog things that they were doing and experimenting with. They hadn't quite, they didn't quite have the freedom that they did with Sgt. Pepper. And so that constrained them a little bit and made, I think, a tighter album. And then you add to the fact that it's very much, much more so than Sgt. Pepper, a collaboration. You you read about the uh, the different songs and how they were put together, and really everybody's kind of involved in figuring out, you know, even on Eleanor Rigby, which is just Paul and an o- a string octet, uh, Paul singing with a string octet. Uh, you know, George, the, 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 the famous chorus, uh, uh, I'll look at all the lonely people. That's a George Harrison contribution. Uh, <laughs> I like Ringo Starr contributed the line that Father McKenzie was darning his socks in the night. You know, I mean, there's just sort of there's a there's a, a group collaboration. I think that strengthens the album, makes it more of an artistic uh, a, a, a piece of art, pop art, but a piece of art. And it has something of sophistication and visionary quality beyond even anything that happened on Sgt. Pepper's, and that's the, the closing cut on yes. Revolver. A, another Ringoism, as you've pointed out yeah. to me, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, <laughs> which I think is the single high point of the Beatles. Uh, I, I totally agree. It's this, uh, it, it's this sort of uh, controlled cacophony of noises and uh, a fantastic driving drum beat by Ringo and and completely original drum beat too. totally yes uh, and 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 sort of John Lennon I think at his best the sort of avant-garde John Lennon at his best you know he's not just throwing in random sounds and screams by Yoko Ono as he would do later this is sort of um, you know playing around with songs and trying to build I he was ultimately trying to do what the Beatles were obsessed with was making a mono chord single chord song. Uh, and they almost did it with uh, with Tomorrow Never Knows. They were trying to get sort of one song that kind of had a almost Indian style driving chord throughout the entire song. And it's it's I think it's it it is it's it's more experimental than anything on Sgt. Pepper. And it's it's to me it's better than anything on Sgt. Pepper. I know that's you know sacrilege to say, but uh, I think it's true. All right. Well, let's uh, send things off with a little <laughs> taste of Tomorrow Never Knows. Michael Warren, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric. Turn off your mind.
Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. You can get all our podcasts at weeklystandard.com, or better yet, subscribe at iTunes or Google Play. Go to either one of those fine services and search for Weekly Standard. That way you'll never miss any of our podcasts, including the Substandard podcasts on Thursdays, the Crystal Clear podcast with Bill Crystal every Friday, and the Confab with me, Eric Felton, every weekend. Catch you next time. 